0: Good tomahawk. I'm Mike and I got my lineman Matt with me. And today we've got Alex with us from the Ice Guys. How you doing, Alex?
1: Oh, good. Glad to be on with you guys. Talking uh, my favorite team, Chicago Blackhawks and uh, talking some hockey in general.
0: I love to hear it, man. Uh, quick shout out to our listeners. Thank you for listening. Uh, let us know if there's anything that uh, you want us to cover and uh, we'll be sure to get it on there with you. But uh, first off, you know, we want to talk to Alex and, uh, you know, Alex, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so originally I was born on the south side of Chicago, grew up in the Chatham neighborhood, and uh, and I was a big sports fan, my whole family, big sports fans, and you know, they were all White Sox fans, Bears fans, Bulls fans, but didn't really watch hockey, I was kind of the one that broke the mold with hockey, and and, you know, growing up being African American in the city, you know, kind of everybody focused on football and basketball, you know, didn't see a whole lot of black players on the ice, uh, you know, in, in hockey in general, so my older parents didn't really adapt to it, but I just watched it. I liked the game. I saw the speed. I saw the fighting, and uh, I just thought it looked really cool. And I, even though I never played hockey, I just became a really big fan of it. And so over the years, my dad, he was a uh, in internal medicine, and he worked as a doctor. He would get tickets for different events over the years. So he got tickets for a Blackhawks game in the mid-'90s and got to go to the United Center and see that. Got to go to Wolves games out in the old Rosemont Horizon. And we became such big fans of that where we we ended up buying season tickets for years. So we watched the Wolves, but we also, you know, watched the Hawks or sometimes listened to the Hawks of course, as you know, with them not being on T V in the nineties yeah. and two thousands. So uh, there was a lot of times all the way up until my senior year of high school I would, you know, huddle around my room in the radio you know, on the radio listening to the Hawks home games. So I uh, just became a big fan of, of all sports, but hockey just really gravitated and became my favorite. And over time, I ended up leaving Chicago uh, after high school. I went to St. Rita High School, graduated, took a year off. And then I moved up here to St. Paul, Minnesota, where I'm now. I've been here for 14 years. I really wanted to be a musician. I was a bass player and uh, started and was in a couple of hard rock bands. But all, throughout the whole time, I was always a fan of sports. And I was always a fan of betting on sports. Uh, I'd always bet on football and basketball, just occasionally, you know, and uh, and then I just took my love of hockey and decided, well, maybe I should start betting on hockey. So right around the 2011-2012 season, when the lockout, uh, the lockout season ended, I started betting on, on hockey games. And my music career was kind of floundering a bit. So I started just writing about you know what I was watching and how teams were doing against the spreads and and, and football and how teams were doing with the over-unders in hockey. And it caught the eyes of people on Twitter. And one thing led to another. I ended up being doing shows on ESPN radio out in Las Vegas. I started talking with a bunch of different people who were betting sports and they're like, wow, you know, you have great insights on betting hockey It's a sport that most bettors don't really focus on because everybody's, you know, bet on the NFL or NBA or even baseball in the summertime. Hockey always gets kind of looked down on in the sports betting world. Uh, kind of much like it does in, I guess, in the modern media of sports as well. You know, the, the bigger, the bigger leagues have you. And so it just, Spiraled into me having a bunch of different writing gigs, and uh, I've, I sell my picks online. I've had my own website. I've worked with other websites as well, and I've done various podcasts over the years, but most notably the Ice Guys, a show that I started with uh, with Ian Cameron uh, based out of Hamilton, Ontario, another fellow sports better and, and big hockey fan. and uh, We've been rolling with the show now since 2017, where we're on every single day. We break down every game. Uh, throughout the regular season and the playoffs. We don't we don't miss a day. We try not to, at least. So uh, that's been a really big thing that's kind of grown now, and we're on the National Hockey Now Network, and people can listen to us, and people can interact with us on YouTube during the live shows, and we have live betcasts as well. So just, uh, you know, if it wasn't for my dad taking me to that game and me watching you know games on TV, listening to the games on the radio, uh, I don't know what I'd be doing for a career now, but it's, it's taken me this far to where I've become a pro sports better and hockey becoming my main focus.
0: Cool man. Who was your favorite Blackhawk as a, as as a kid?
1: So I grew up like I said, I was am I'm, I'm born in eighty nine, so I was right around the time of the Jeremy Roenick, Ed Bell four days. Uh, okay. you know, but I liked some of the, yeah, exactly. And so, and, and I, like you know, but I understood the game. I, I, I was a quick study of the game and I knew, you know, what the different roles were. I, I loved watching the enforcers, the Bob Proberts and the cam Russells of the team. And, you know, yeah. guys who, you know, Cameron was a good stay at home defenseman, you know, wasn't going to put a whole lot of points on the board, but he's going to stand up for his teammates and throw the odd body around, block a few shots. I understood those little nuances at, at a younger age than most. Uh, but, but Eddie Belfort, I mean, he was just a great goalie. He was, he was, off his rocker most of the time it was just kind of <laughs> kind of fun to watch and uh and he's he's definitely been was one of my favorites he's probably the one i'd have to put him my number one favorite
0: what about now as an adult who would you say your favorite is
1: Oh, without question, I call him Sir Patrick Kane. I don't. I don't know if we can swear. I don't know if we can swear on this program. Is that? No, is no. That... Go on ahead.
0: Have, okay, so ahead. so so I call no. him
1: Patrick fucking Kane, and that's with the utmost love and respect because that's what I screamed when the Hawks won the Cup in 2010 when they were reviewing the goal. And once they finally said it was in, I was at a bar I was at rock bottom actually with, with one of my best friends. And oh, the really? first thing I screamed was Patrick fucking Kane. And we ran out of the bar. We'd already paid our tab. We paid our tab right before <laughs> overtime because we knew. I told my buddy. I said, if, if this this game ends we win we got to hop and hit another bar because they're going to be doing free shots probably everywhere sure enough we went to a bar like a block and a half down we run right in and everybody's getting free shots and that turned into one of the one of the best nights of my life and ironically (laughs) enough that was june 9th 2010 that was the day after my 21st birthday so were you perfect timing to drink and party for for uh, occasionally did
0: you did you run into the team (laughs) at, at any bars that night
1: that night no i didn't because they were that was that was the year they clinched in philly so i went i wasn't out the funniest thing was i wasn't out that late where they flew back in because i had my big playoff beard and my like kind of afro going i actually had to go get my new id the next morning because i had a a a flight out i was going to another party for my birthday in indiana and then back here in st paul so i couldn't have even stayed out that like that late i i like think I got home at maybe one thirty that night because wow. I had to go get a haircut and a new ID so I could go continue my birthday party Sure. <laughs> in other places. That Thanks was a really, be really wild days. time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a, gr- a great time, but that was probably one of the best birthday gifts I ever got was, uh, watching the Hawks finally end the curse in 2010. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. That
2: was a great one. Yeah. Like me and Mike, oh. always, I got okay. married, uh, during that time. And Mike always gives me a hard time because he was at my <laughs> wedding and everything. But, uh, yeah. So
0: it was, it was I, I, I've, I've said this run, before, sure. man, but like my wife was like, we were just dating at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, she was like, Hey, um, I've got yes, this wedding yeah. to go to. I was like, okay, when is it? You know, she told me the date and I'm like, the Blackhawks are playing the, um, the, the San Jose sharks that night. They the they could clinch it and go to the Stanley yeah. cup finals. I'm not going to make it. And she's like, <laughs> what do you, She's like, "What do you mean that you're, that you're not going to make it?" I'm like, "No, there's, there's no way I'm going." <laughs>
1: right. Right. I mean, that's. <laughs> well, we the DJ. Yeah. We, oh, okay. He gave
2: us live updates, which was good. But we, I had season tickets with my one of my best friends, and we ended up selling that. Yeah, game. it was. I think it was the game where Buzz it Okay. So got the game-winning goal.
1: Beautiful that, pass that was, by Bull behind the net, I think three in overtime. Okay. Oh, game four. Okay. Game four. Okay.
2: four yeah. Game four. It no, no, buffling
1: with the Okay, okay, so yeah.
2: Maybe maybe it was three because Keith Keith lost his, his teeth in game four. The that game was the, the puck to the, the face. face. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So that was game three yeah. then. So it wasn't a clincher, but I was on like yeah uh, we didn't, well, we have, didn't that. have like iPhones I didn't have iPhones. <laughs> I had we had the flip phones back then and uh, we, I can't oh you check know yeah I had so just gotten the got the an DJ's iPhone head. so I'm
0: like where can I find you know like this <laughs> this data at you know and I ended, I ended up going to the game and yeah, um fine. you know Matt was you know how when people get married they walk around to the crowd yeah and and matt walked up to me yeah, i was getting live and updates. uh i was like hey how you doing i'm like he's like hey what's the score of the game <laughs> and i was like oh we're up one to nothing right now and uh i knew from that moment i'm gonna like this guy
1: <laughs> you don't nice. need to
0: tell me your name dude i already know i already know what i'm doing here you know so uh what are your thoughts on this current team
1: well, it's it's interesting because you know we're supposed to be at least in theory tanking to get Connor Bedard and 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 planning for the future, but here we are as of right now three and two, with uh, you know some some interesting wins. Obviously, not against the World beaters. Uh, you know, we, we got smoked by uh, Colorado, but then turn around, you beat San Jose, a team you should beat. They obviously are probably worse than the Hawks or even Arizona. Yeah, uh, and then. What an emotional and great come from behind win for uh, against Detroit. You know, I, I said it on my show, the ice guys about how, you know, everybody in that locker room, you got to get up for for Detroit, you know, and right. even though you only play, you only play them once a year, all the reason. But if you, you know anything about Hawks history and just hockey history, that rivalry, those two original six squads and, and it it's, goes the same for Detroit, you know, you, you got to get. It's fired up when you play those rivalry games, even if they aren't division rivals or conference rivals no longer. And uh, for the Hawks to come from behind, uh, Staylock come in net and uh, you know relieve Morazic and, and and get that win and OT. That's a big one. And then uh, a fun one to watch in in, in uh, with Seattle on Sunday. Although I have to say it now, as much as I love my Hawks. You know, betting is a whole different thing. And they always tell you, you don't bet with your heart. And I'm a firm believer in that. And I had money on the Seattle Kraken. I thought that was a weird spot. It was a weird time, a 1 o'clock start at home. And, and you guys have known it for years. If you've watched Hawks games the last 3 plus, 4 plus decades, those Sunday games, whether they start at 6 o'clock at night or if they're the, like the 1230 with the old NBC starts, Hawks just always kind of started a little slow and a little sluggish, so sometimes it's never really gotten into it. The crowd was always a little different vibe. It wasn't that rowdy Friday night, 730 crowd. It was usually a lot of families, a lot of kids. So it just, you just kind of, the vibe was just a little off sometimes. And I thought the Hawks were, were in a bad spot and, uh, they turned around. I mean, they were facing a really bad goalie in Martin Jones for, uh, for, for Seattle, but Hey, you take advantage of who you play against and, uh, they got the other win. So now they're heading into some tougher competition in the next week. But, uh, but so far so good Uh, as if, you know, as a fan, you still enjoy watching them win and, and they've gotten three of them so far.
0: You know what, man? Um, you know one hundred percent, you know the timing on these Sunday games. I love them. I love these one p m uh these one o'clock starts because it's like it's the middle of the day. you know it's like i' um it's kind of like comes as a surprise, you know because you know I get some Blackhawks in the middle of the day, you know, instead of late at night, you know it's right. like nine ten o'clock you know by the time the game's over, or even the six o'clock starts man i I really like those because those games are typically done by like you know eight fifteen, eight thirty, yeah.
2: I prefer those six o'clock. The, the, as a player, a morning yeah. afternoon game, those are harder. Yeah. Right? Like, when you're so used to playing at night, that's just it's a big adjustment. You got to get to the rink like really early, do your workouts and stuff. Yeah, and you know, and, and like athletes
1: are all the creatures of habit, mm-hmm. but most certainly hockey players. And so when your routine gets thrown off, where you know you usually you know you're having you know breakfast and morning skate, instead, no, you're getting ready for a game in two two hours. Uh, you know, with a with a daytime start that that can be a little different. And and you see some teams uh, respond to it better than others. You see, you know, a lot of the East Coast teams, they get those 12 o'clock, one o'clock starts uh, throughout the year. But then those West Coast teams, they don't really get saddled with those too much. And then when they have to go cross country, uh, sometimes they lay some some eggs and play in some flat spots.
2: So is hockey probably one of the hardest sports? Uh, programs,
1: well, I mean, I can't, I can't say that that it's the hardest for me personally. I, I, I do all right at it, but it, I think you know people are yeah. so kind of used to knowing about the point spread. If if you if you have a general semblance of betting, you, you've heard people talk about the point spread, which in football and basketball, you know, you're laying six and a half; the team's got to win by seven, that kind of a thing, and so. Money lines, I think, actually might be a little bit easier. Obviously, just in, in practice, you know, you just need to bet the, the, the team that wins the game. But realizing how the numbers move and why is this team an underdog at plus money or a favorite, you know, where you are you have to lay a certain number to win a, an amount back. That's kind of a little bit more difficult to, to explain to, to someone who's never bet before. Uh, but I think. As far as hockey and, the, and, you know, there's advanced numbers, you don't really need to go into the advanced numbers as much as you do if you're betting baseball or even football. Uh, the bare bones numbers that you see every day can kind of help you along to be at least a halfway decent better uh, when it comes to hockey.
2: Well, I think I get a lot of texts in the playoffs. That's when my okay. big, like, my buddies at bet. They're not really hockey guys, but they're like, hey, wh- who do you got? Uh. Tampa Bay five goals over, uh, or in, in two periods or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, this is tough. You know, Tampa's good, but it's like, I don't want to, I don't want you to lose your money, but I mean, I I'll go with Tampa on that, but that's like, a. am not sure what program they're, they're using, but I think it the last, I think, I think it was a red wing, uh, I believe it was a Red Wing-Lightning game, and it was like five mm-hmm. goals in the game type of thing. I'm like, yeah, go for it. They ended up getting six goals that game or whatever. I think he won like yeah. 200 bucks. Yeah, like, and that's geez, the thing. Dude. And, and
1: that's, that's, you know, awesome. over-unders are, are the yeah. biggest thing. And, and, of course, so yeah, you're talking about the total of goals scored between both teams. And, you know, that's something yeah. in my yeah. betting career, The, the yeah. what really kind of got me, you know, somewhat notarized, I guess, on, on Twitter was uh, the first period overtrend. And this started this is a direct result of me watching the Hawks. If you remember a few years ago, the last they called it the circus trip, you know, obviously late November, but th- it was the year that the yeah. circus had finally yeah. officially been canceled like, bring like Barnum and Bailey actually literally went out of business. But they still had the schedule done where the Hawks were out west. Uh so this is eight this is the nineteen twenty season or eighteen nineteen season, I'm sorry. And so that November they're playing against Vancouver and it's like in the blink of an eye, I think before the first TV timeout, Hawks are down like 2 nothing or 3 nothing. And they interview Patrick Kane afterward. He goes, he says, yeah, we've been getting off to some really slow starts. He says, we've got to, you know, we've always had to play catch up. We've been giving up the first goal a lot lately. And so I started looking through the numbers and I go, hmm. Notice, okay, in the first period, Hawks have been two goals total scored, three goals. 2-2 in the first period. I go back. This trend has been going on for like 10 straight games. So then I finally looked through the betting numbers. You can bet the first period over one and a half, and that number would be around even money. So basically, what it means is if you bet $50, you get $100 bet total. $50 plus your $50 back. It it would start going from even money to where you had to lay six to five, seven to five. So you know, basically, $12 to win 10 to the point where you were betting $200 to win $100 because the favorites became so big because this trend caught on where the Hawks had rattled off 16, 17 games in a row where there was at least two or more goals scored in the first period. And I made a note of this. I talked to some people in Vegas about it and it caught like wildfire and and every betting show you you saw, and there weren't that many at the time, of course, because betting expanded even further in the last few years, but every show everybody was talking about this hockey trend, this first period overtrend. And it was me and Ian and the guys over at, with, uh, at the ice guys who really kind of uncovered this thing. Tampa Bay was in the list. Pittsburgh was in the list. All the mm-hmm. great offensive teams that year who had some spotty goaltending issues. They were, you know, two to one, three to two first periods. And they would get off these fast starts and we were able to make a bunch of money with it. Now it's gotten harder because the markets have caught up. But, you know, that that was uh, that was the name of the game for for a while. And that's what really got hockey betting kind of, uh, you know, going with a lot of people.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting. It's got to be tough. Like, you know, you got to look at the backup goalies playing, see who's playing, see who's injured. It's, I mean, I, I would struggle with it for sure. Well, and you know, Definitely that's the thing. Study your and roster.
1: Me a, I've always considered myself, and, and I remember my, even my parents told me this. They said, and I'm a very active fan in the sense of that, all the things that I'm doing now to study for betting on games and writing articles and doing shows, I was doing this, When I was a kid, as a little as you know, as a fan, you know, just reading the, you know, I would never go to the game and get a program, I would go get the media guide, you know, I spent extra $5, but I get to read all this history and information about the teams and different things. And and so I've always been been interested in kind of digging deeper into the game and watching because, you know, especially now betting on these games, it's like figuring out a puzzle. You know, and, and essentially watching any sporting event, it's like a puzzle. You know, these two teams have these players and these conditions and, and, and these situations. What's going to happen next? And that's what that's the, you know, bare bones reason why we love sports. Uh, in, in essence, the competitiveness and, and trying to see what's going to happen next. It's a, it's the best reality TV show in the world, uh, as a quote that I heard from from a, a colleague of mine. So, you know, I've always been able to do that. And I can say at the same time, having a, a service where I sell picks, which, you know, has normally been kind of looked upon as a scummy thing, especially in the 80s and 90s with the 900 numbers and things like that. But it's different now. You have to be transparent and you have to be accurate. And I like to do this. I'm doing this job because there are fans like you guys, like I said, you know, you don't have time to be looking through all these numbers and information. You've got lives, you got families, you've got other jobs. So you know to have someone who's basically like a financial analyst in the world of sports betting i think that's a, it's a it's a great qualification to find and if you can find someone who does it well uh you know it it it's better off than you just throwing darts and betting a game 10 minutes before puck drop you know? you know
0: it it i i just wanted to bring up you know the only thing that i hate about betting is like you know when you put you know you put money on something and then somebody like, you know, uh, like uh, like that one dude, Dominic Roussel, who used to play for uh, Dallas, will come out of nowhere and get a hat trick in a game where, you know, like this guy hasn't scored in like 25 games and something like that happens, you know, like like that stuff just drives me nuts.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, there's still random. I think you were thinking Antoine Roussel, by the way.
0: Antoine Rousseau, Dominic yeah, Roussel yeah, was the
1: old Flyers goalie yeah. from from right, from way right. back when. But but yeah, but um, but you know, that's the thing. You you know, there's still variables, and there's still you have to really dig deep and and do things. Just like now, the big big trend in all of betting is player props. So people don't always want to bet on teams. They want to bet on Patrick Kane to score a goal or, you know, uh, you know, the over under on saves and different things. And so, you know, your, your Kanes and McDavid's and Crosby's little world, you're not going to get a lot of value betting those. But if you think, you know, Hey, Tyler Johnson's getting moved up from the third line to play on the power play. And all of a sudden he gets two goals like he did on Sunday. You can catch some good value betting that. So yeah, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, that's where I think the fantasy football fantasy hockey players can really hone in on those things. So that's kind of the, the overlap into fantasy. Fantasy sports, which is gambling, and then just pure sports betting. So uh, you know, there's there's ways to find that out. And and like I said, you know, if you watch so much of the games, I mean, it I I've, I may have missed a dozen Hawks games live, like in real time, in the last 15 years. If I missed them when they aired, I caught the replay or you know, uh, uh, highlights the next morning. So when you watch that much hockey or that much of any sport, you should be able to retain, I think a little bit of something and, uh, and use it moving forward. Sure.
0: Sure. Is there any, um, any players standing out to you right now on the current roster?
1: Uh, as far as just with like betting value or just you know just-,
0: just 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 like a guy where you're like you know what i i had no idea who this guy was and whenever I'm, I'm watching all that i see is you know say number 24 sam lafferty you know this guy is everywhere and he's contributing on both sides of the ice like he's someone to me that has really been standing out um at since game one of, uh, of the season
1: yeah, he has him and and also his line mate Jason Dickinson, who they Absolutely. brought you over in that trade. You know, got the game winner on on Sunday. Those are two guys that really, uh, you know, and some decent contracts. You know, not not a whole lot of cap space taken up, and, and you know, still young guys. They're both twenty seven years of age. They're both pretty you know, solid guys. So when you get in some scoring depth, and that's what the Hawks always had in those cup year, winning years. You had three lines that could score. Hell, you even had four lines that could score at times. Yeah, and, and so you know, finding that balance uh offensively is huge so those are two guys that really have stepped up uh max domey as well i mean this is a guy that comes over you know playing on a one-year deal trying to kind of he's betting on himself hoping to, to get a big-time contract and so far he looked good three goals uh you know maybe he's a guy who can really kind of settle in and and, and be a, a guy who can kind of fill in those gaps a little bit old. He's 27 as well. So, uh, you know, you're not going just super young and, and bringing up a bunch of, you know, rookie first-year guys. You got some guys who got a, a little bit of talent and a little bit of grit to them, too. We saw, you know, Domi was kind of roughhousing a couple of uh, Red Wings on Friday and so forth. So Absolutely. I like I like the build and the concept. I right. like where Davidson's head is at with the lineup he's built. Uh, yeah. You know, and he, he's, he's, he understands the balance aspect. I think he understands it a little bit better than Stan did.
0: You know, two things um since the beginning of the season where I've kind of flipped at where I'm at right now. At the beginning of the season, you know, I didn't know where uh, Philip Kurushchev stood on this team, you know, where he belongs, you know, pretty much anymore. But, Watching him on this line with Dickinson and Lafferty, I think that this guy has a lot of value for what he's bringing to that line because you're seeing Lafferty and Dickinson, you know, all over the place. And before you know, you know, Kershaw can be carrying the puck in. Next thing you know, they're pushing on the offensive side of the, uh, on the in the offensive zone and and putting serious pressure. And um, I think one big thing that on top of these guys kind of just showing up out of nowhere. They're bringing uh, big value with uh, Philippe Kharishev, and um, number two, uh, Ruse. I think his name is. Uh, I think his name is Philippe Ruse too. Yeah, mm-hmm, yep. yeah. I had no idea yeah. who this guy was at the beginning of the season. I couldn't believe that he made the team, and then I've I've been watching him play, and you know what, man? This guy seems like he's got like ice in his veins. Like, he's just kind of, I don't want to say laid back, but he's very, very, um, I want to say attentive to what he's doing. He's not getting excited when he's in his own zone and he's got, got guys circling around, you know? He he just seems like he's back there making good plays. You know, not you know flashy plays and not bad plays, but he's consistently making good plays, uh, which, to be honest with you, is... Is the direction that we're looking to go. Um, have you have you noticed this guy at all?
1: Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because my initial comparison, kind of watching his game a little bit, and he's also uh from Sweden, kinda of reminded me of how Nicholas Johansson started. He just was kind of just under the radar, nobody really talked about him, he just quietly kind of played in his own zone did the right things, the little things the right way. Like I said, not not flashy, not going to break out and, and, you know, he's not a Kale McCarr who's going to just streak down the ice, blow past everybody and have a highlight reel goal, but he's going to do those little things right, and that's what you need. You need that development, and you need to build that within your defense. Like, you know, you want your flash naturally, you want your flash flashiness to be all on offense, but you want the stability to be on the back end, and, and if you can get that stability, not just in your top two you know, defensemen, but all six defensemen, you want to have as much Stability on the blue line as possible, especially when you look at our goaltending situation. You know, Peter Morazek, who was shaky to begin yeah, with, and I mean, yeah. he's been, you know, injury prone his entire career. And sure enough, not only does he go down with injury, but it's a groin injury, which, you know, it's basically like pitchers in baseball. When you start talking about goalies having groin and knee issues, those are things that never really clearly, you know, fully clear up in a given year. No good. So, yeah, it, it's tough. And then Alex Stalock, I've actually been really stunned by the way he's played because uh you know he's from up until the last game up but 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 game. he's from he's from around where i'm yeah. at now in st paul he's, from, he's actually from south st paul minnesota the uh umd grad and i've actually met some people who were friends with him and when he was with the wild basically someone had kind of alluded to the fact that yeah he's just kind of playing out the string of his career he's trying to get enough games to collect his nhl pension you know he's just kind of a backup he likes being around the boys and that was just kind of you know what he was kind of going through, and he had a couple of good seasons, but then he kind of just really fell off. Then you look at last year, he missed all that time. He was dealing with long COVID issues, and uh, and symptoms came back and looked terrible. And I'm thinking, oh man, here he is, 35 years of age, off of arguably his worst health yeah. issue, and, and 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 worst you know career numbers, you know, and, and I alluded to, well, we're tanking, right? Might as well get the worst goal you could could find, and I thought that was kind of the case of what they were doing with Stalot, but he's really kind of emerged, you know, as, as playing well, and I think maybe, you know, what you see with veterans sometimes is that they get around some younger guys and, you know, they get kind of reinvigorated themselves. So maybe he was thinking about just, you know, calling it, you know, calling it a career and, and going fishing for the rest of his life. But now he's, you know, maybe he's reinvigorated by seeing this this young group of guys trying to work hard and rebuild something. And, and, and that's given him some inspiration and some new life as well. Where was he was he with uh, the Edmonton and Bakersfield. Uh, in that organization and uh, his okay. Bakersfield numbers were horrible. I think he had like a 7.8 goals against in like five stars. It was, it was bad. Well,
2: he, I thought his first start was good against Vegas. I thought he did pretty well. I thought like I've, I thought the goaltending has been good up until the Kraken game. I, I, I watched the highlights. I was actually at a wedding yesterday, so I missed the game, which I'm, I'm disappointed because it was, yeah, uh, it, was. it was a shootout. But um, I just noticed all those goals. He literally was overplaying the shots so bad, and it, the Hawks easily yeah. could have won that game 5 to 1.
1: Yeah, and, and that is the thing. He He's a very aggressive goalie uh, in that style, and, and that's kind of his caveat over the over years. He's let in some soft goals because of that. He's gotten caught out of position. So that's something, yeah. and, and like I said, the Blue Liners are going to have to step up and realize that and kind of cover for him a little bit, but he's going to have to come through and make some big saves as well. So, you know, it's a work, a work in progress.
2: Yeah, he he's got to adjust. I think when you're an old man like that, sure. like, a 35 is old for a goalie. If you're overplaying shots like that, you got to be fast to recover. And he yeah. honestly, he wasn't even
1: recovering. He was just like, yeah, he was, eh, I'm he
2: just fishing stopped. out here and I'm gone. And yeah, hung, just hung out to dry his, his, his
1: post, his post movement isn't yeah, as sharp yeah. as it once was. So, yeah, like I said, he has to he has to adapt and adjust to that.
2: Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah. And if we're, I mean, we're it is Seattle. Oh, better, not, better know, offenses their, their team, offense Their offense
1: has has and leaps and bounds better of what they were trying to yeah. do last year.
2: Oh, but if we're playing against really good teams, and he's he's overplaying pucks yeah. like that, we're gonna get lit up. And that's that's where it's like, oh, okay, maybe we do look like the tanking Hawks now. But it sucks because I thought Merezik was decent. I, I liked his first yeah. period mm-hmm. against the Avalanche. Uh, game one, i like, he was making some really big glove saves, flashy, and I like that. But uh, yeah, that the like you said, that groin injury yeah. is like a, a pitcher's arm. You know, I mean that's that's a big yeah. thing, a big thing for a goalie. So
1: I, I don't, don't know how long you know, he's going to They're, they're kind of taking it week to week, is what I would last yeah. read. But uh, like you said, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. Mrazik, when he's healthy, he's he's great. We've seen him put up some some decent numbers when he was back, you know, back in in Detroit, uh, you know, Carolina, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, a little in time Carolina, in Toronto as well. Yeah. When yep. he's healthy and he's got good defense in front of him, he can. He's you know, he's arguably a, a top 50, you know, top twenty-five, top fifteen goalie, middle of the road. But uh, but that that's not bad in, in this in this league these days. But when he gets hurt and and then it takes him a while to kind of adjust and recover, that's not really good. So now, like I said, Staylock with those, uh, you know, with the issues of getting caught out of position and, and having that kind of lack of speed that we see from Morazic, him being the starter. And clearly he's going to get the bulk of the starts because I just read before we, we started this that he's going to be the starter for uh, both Tuesday's game against Florida and Thursday against Edmonton. He has good numbers against both teams. But oh. like you said, if he's getting caught out of position against McDavid and Dreisaitl, who knows what, what the Oilers can do in that. Yeah, yeah. E- even the boys Absolutely. in Florida, uh, Barakoff, even being in, pre- in position
0: yeah. against McDavid, you're out yeah. of position. <laughs> right, exactly.
2: Definitely. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs>
0: well, the, the, they're they're saying that uh, Arvid Soderblom's going to get some starts as well. So, um, I'm yeah. I'm curious to see where this guy is in his development.
1: Yeah, and we yeah, we need, yeah, to, see we need to see more and better because I mean, I've yeah, watched like uh, a good chunk of him. Obviously, the games he played with the Hawks last year, but I watched some of his starts with Rockford. And uh, I just, there's just, I'm not really, I don't think he's the answer. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's around here in about two or three years. When, when, when we start having some cap space and start making some big moves, I think he's probably going to be elsewhere, but uh, he's just more of a stopgap for the moment. Uh, I I don't really see him being a a career NHL, to be honest.
0: Do you think that the Blackhawks going forward, you know, like say when the team is getting to a position of where they're looking to compete, that they just buy a goalie?
1: Uh, I'd like to see him do that. I mean, historically, that really hasn't worked, to be honest, because what the last goalie we bought was Halby Bullen. Granted, we didn't really build another team, you know, a, a much of a, of a rest of a team around him. But uh, all of our great goalies were either diamonds in the rough, guys like Auntie Niemi or, or Scott Darling, or we home grew them and Corey Crawford. Uh, so I and, and yeah, and even and even Eddie, Eddie was a diamond yeah. in the rough back, back in the day. So. The <laughs> the Hawks historically buying goalies hasn't really been like the the you know the 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 fancy move, but I think that that might have to be the way they go now. Drew Comesso, I've heard nothing but good things about him. And I've seen some of his stuff at, at, down in BC, uh, or up I should say up at BC Boston College. But uh, you know, I would like to see how he handles with a full AHL season. Maybe he could be somebody who who you know factors in the the equation two three years from now. Yeah. Yeah, Spencer, that would be yeah. nice. But I think I think Florida's going to try to to upload the uh, the massive anvil and anchor that is Sergey Bobrovsky's $10 million to. year yeah. contract. Brutal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They have measured. they have the money
1: to uh, to 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 bury that kind of contract. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, cool, man. Um, Matt, do you got anything else?
1: Well,
2: yeah, I wanted to ask you, Alex, who do you got? So I like the, the,
1: here, the New York Rangers, you know, and, and this team is the way that they're playing right now. Igor Shesterkin is arguably one of the best goaltenders in the world. Uh, we all know how good Artemi Panarin can be, and he's been lights out, basically averaging two points per, per game right now. Uh, back-to-back goals, back-to-back nights, uh, you know, over the weekend. And of course, you know, the rumor has been, you know, if Patrick Kane gets moved, one of the teams that could really make a splash for him would be the Rangers. The, oh, know, the renewal gosh. the Schreiber renewal of subject. Kane and Panarin in the Eastern Conference, I think that would be absolutely lethal. You mix that up with the good defenseman they have and a, and a world-class goaltender. We saw how far they were able to make it last year and not have that offensive punch. Uh, a number 88 makes everything better. makes everything better offensively. So uh, I like the New York Rangers. And... At the beginning of the year, I was really high on the Minnesota Wild, to be honest. I thought that they had, even though they're cap-strong, but the the core that they have and the young, they have a great nucleus of young players that will be uh, making an impact in the league for years to come. Kirill Kaprizov, obviously, at the top of that list, but some of those guys, Rossi, Matt Boldy, Joel Eriksson-Eck is definitely going to be a multiple-selkie trophy winner if he can stay healthy throughout his career. He's one of the best two-way forwards in the game, so... But uh, oh, our old buddy Mark Andre Fleury not looking so good uh here here in uh, in <laughs> downtown Saint Paul. Yeah, getting booed <laughs> okay. already. So, you know, but uh, oh, but I man. guess you know it looked like it was a great move because they you know flipped out t- Camp Talbot. Camp Talbot goes down for seven weeks uh in, in Ottawa. So they thought they were doing the right thing. But now you you might have to run with uh, Philip Gustafson, twenty-one year old kid who did not look that sharp in Ottawa or even his time in Detroit. So, uh, that was my pick for for the Western Conference, but might have to change that a little bit moving forward yeah yeah Edmonton Edmonton. just can't get seem to get out of their own way when it comes to the playoffs you know they made a great yeah. run last year but uh yeah, you know they're they're where toronto should be right now like toronto has their own world of issues but at least at least edmonton's making the playoffs and winning some series once they get there um but no, you know, I think Jack Campbell's a, a great fill in. He's yeah. much better than Mike Smith. Uh, you know, Stuart Skinner has kind of developed into his own as a, a good number two option, which is what you need to, to navigate through the tough regular season. You, you got to have that top goalie to stand up and, and carry you through the postseason, but you have to have a one, a, one B 1B, or, or a good number one and number two setup uh, to win in the regular season and, and get into the yeah. playoffs. And I think Edmonton does have that. We know the offensive talent they have, uh, uh, you know flourishing with those top six forwards so uh, they're they're never going to struggle for goals but they might struggle for consistency in the back end I think Jack Campbell in due time will help that get a little bit better
2: yeah I like that kid I thought that was a good signing and I I don't understand what Toronto was doing with the goaltending I mean Matt Murray really it's not it hasn't worked in years and then now they're stuck with Samsonov. he's not bad but I think they should make a big trade. I'd go uh, after see. Gibson from the Ducks if I were them because this kid needs he needs a team in front of him. He's such a good goalie. No, I nah, I, I agree support.
1: with you on, on Gibson. I'm a, I'm am a big Gibson fan, but I'm not liking what I'm seeing from him. And I think he's playing through an injury, and I think he's tried to play through an injury before. He's logged in a ton of minutes because Anaheim's just been a really bad team for for some time, and he's had to log in yeah. a lot of minutes. And I think it's starting to wear on him, which is very unfortunate because he's still a fairly young guy. I think what he's 28. So, you know, he's, he's,
2: yeah. He's got to do a lot. I I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so (laughs) he's, yeah, he's got, he has a lot on
1: his plate and I don't know if going to Toronto would be the best thing for him because Toronto's the place they, they eat up goalies and spit them out, you know, and, and, true, and with yeah, that said, with really Elias nice. Samsonov, as you mentioned, you know he's kind of said, "Well, he's not that bad." I think he's actually a decent goalie, a, a more than average goalie, in my opinion. I think he kind of got the raw end of the deal in in Washington, and he kind of, you know, just you know, he needed to change the scenery. And I think the pressure of Toronto is as a more of a welcoming to him than a deterrent to some other guys. So you know, so far he's three and zero, uh, and as they head into you know game tonight against Vegas, but. Uh, I think this is definitely one of those you know storylines where I think he might blossom into being that number one goalie, and that's great for Toronto because, like I said, Matt Murray isn't the answer. But if Matt Murray can return to even half the form he was in Pittsburgh and be a number two behind Samsonov, now you've got a tandem that you've needed in Toronto for years, and now you can just worry about you know the offense shipping in consistently, which you know other than Austin Matthews, it's been a you know some guys you can't find with a telescope, as my buddy Ian Cameron would say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. I like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's one of his, one of his, uh, his signature catch rates. I had to, had to throw that one in there and give him the credit for it.
0: I want to say, man, you know, with Ed- Edmonton made it to the, to the uh, you know, to the, I was at the Western Conference finals with Mike Smith, with yeah, Jack Campbell, yep. you know, considerably they might be able to win a couple games.
1: Yeah, it's it's quite possible, and and that's that's the thing, you know, having, you know, a firm number one goaltender. Once you get into the postseason, that's really the, the the biggest point because you know you start having those question marks, and and you know, not listen. There's also been some teams we saw with our Hawks, with like I said, Scott Darling having to come in and and kind of save the day when Crawford was shaking a little bit. You sometimes need to have a good backup there, too. But I think at the end of the day, you know, with these teams that have had playoff issues for some time, they need solid goaltending. Edmonton's issue has been goaltending. Toronto's issue has been goaltending. You know, even when you look at teams that are trying to rebuild, like Philadelphia, Philly has had their issues with goaltending for, you know, literally 25 years. Right. Exactly. So, so you know, that that's yeah. really the the end-all, be-all. It, it, it's It's not... Necessarily as important as a quarterback in football, but it's it's very very close in the pantheon of positions in sports.
0: Well, cool, man. Um, I'd like to thank you for you know for coming on the podcast. Yeah, you know, we really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. You yeah. know, just thanks, guys, just, for having me uh, on. I appreciate you. it. it very, just cool. talking hockey. We got to do this again sometime.
1: Oh well, yeah, most certainly. i mean like, <laughs> if we talk about the Hawks, like I said, I can I could spend hours with that so.
2: He's a. He's a Black Hawk nut on Twitter. I'm always putting random hawks, and he's like the first guy to name them every
0: (laughs) time. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You know, in the next couple months or so, next time we talk, you know, the Hawks could be a uh, a team that nobody saw coming. You know, kind of like the Islanders a couple years ago, where out of nowhere they're making it to the, you know, to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then they kind of (laughs) just die off after that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting, and you know, and then and now you got to look at you know kind of talk for the betting angle maybe look at luke richardson take a flyer for him to win jack adams maybe he could be a finalist depending on how good this team even if this team is 500 at the end of the year no one saw that coming wouldn't he be one of the top three coaches you know, to, to, to take yeah. this team from what seemed to be kind of uh you know the bottom of the barrel to you know somewhat competitive overnight
0: especially considering i mean from on paper there was a better squad last year and they yep. started, what was that,
2: 0-11 or something like that? All,
1: I think it was 0 and one yeah.
2: Brutal. Well, these guys don't quit. You could just tell with the coaching. These guys and, and stayed the one hard thing, for
1: 60 minutes. And the they one thing I was win, kind of worried about was hard. the fact that we brought Derek King back and what essentially was a demotion from interim head coach to the, to assistant coach, but he's re- worked really well and I think the, the kind of uh, you know, inspiration and spark we saw when he took over the team last year we're starting to see that now and luke richardson's kind of adding into that so if we can find some balance in the coaching staff that that that's you know that looms large for what's going to happen in the future
0: absolutely so uh, do us a favor why don't you put out your uh, your social media information so our listeners can you know give you a follow on Twitter or Facebook or you know wh- wherever you're at?
1: Yeah, I'm on Twitter. My personal Twitter is axsmithsports. Uh, my podcast is the Ice Guys at z underscore Ice Guys. Uh, just follow that Twitter link and you'll be able to find me. You'll be able to find my co-hosting and Cameron. Uh, our podcast we're on every single day during the season, Monday through Friday, two p.m. Eastern on YouTube, noon Eastern on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, we do live betcasts during the year so once a week we'll just all sit around crack some drinks open, get on the uh, the big uh, stream yard stream and we're all watching games and betting live uh, we do that for about 3 hours we, we're doing it once a month during football season once football's over we'll start doing it once a week so people can check us out there the Ice Guys uh, the underscore Ice Guys on Twitter and me at AXSmithSports
0: Cool man. So uh, once again, guys, give this guy a follow. He's awesome. Obviously, he knows what he's talking about. And um, we're gonna have you on again, man. Say in, maybe in a couple months or so after the season's, you know, got its legs under him.
1: Wonderful. Sounds good. Thanks, guys, for having me.
0: All right, guys. This is the Tomahawk. We're out of here.